the intention of the Creating the Game podcast is crystal clear. My goal is to inspire you along your awakening journey, to provide you with conversations and resources that help you create the life of your dreams and support you in finding more connection with yourself and the beautiful world around you. Thank you for taking the time today to listen and do the inner work. I hope you leave this conversation with a closer orientation to your truth. Aaron Rose, welcome to the Creating the Game podcast. I'm so um, privileged to have you on today and so deeply uh, grateful for your time, um, but mostly excited. I'm feeling super excited for the opportunity to talk and to discuss some amazing ideas with you today. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. And I'm excited too. You know, we met in a context where I was the person, quote unquote, kind of more on stage and lots of people in in the room. And it's always so beautiful when those specific faces kind of emerge and people make that deeper connection. Um, and, And I get to learn a little bit more about you in this process too. Of course. And to give the listeners some context, how I first learned about Aaron and his teachings is that I'm currently the, in the Venture for America program, and it's a two-year entrepreneurship fellowship, and we have a training camp. And Aaron came in and did a diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop, and I was so compelled, and my heart just felt so full during this workshop because of the flavor and, and the personal style that Aaron brought to such an important conversation but it was almost as if it was like a healing workshop. It was, it was incredible. Um, immediately, I knew that I wanted to follow up and ask him to be a, podca- a guest on the podcast. Um, and here we are today. Amazing. It's such a beautiful testimony because that's always, that's my intention in those spaces is that it, that it heal people as deeply as they're ready to receive it. Awesome. And I would then ask you, now that we're a little bit on the subject, a little bit about what you currently are working on. I know you have a different, a bunch of different projects going on right now, um, but I would love to hear some of the things that you're currently working on. Amazing. Yeah. So all of my work right now is really around this collective evolution that humanity is experiencing, um, where we have this experience of division and separation that has been part of our our ancestral experience for for many, many generations, feeling separated based on our identities, feeling like we can't get where we need to go, feeling like we can't get along, um, and almost a sort of upswelling of chaos that we're seeing in the world right now from one perspective. And so my work is all about supporting humanity and reconnecting with our essential nature, um, supporting as a transformational coach and mentor, emerging change makers, people who are really answering the call, that sense of I'm here for something bigger, I'm here to serve, I'm here to make an impact, um, and supporting folks who already are public figures, who are influencers, who are navigating how to be in the public eye when we're having such intense conversations around who we are and what we're actually here to do. Um, And then I also work with organizations of different kinds on their cultures and how do we really operationalize big values like we're a family and the best idea wins and respect and like what does it actually look like to consciously design any human container Um, and I do all of that really with this blended sort of 3D and and, 3D lens external realm lens but also a very multi-dimensional metaphysical spiritual perspective understanding that it is what is happening internally within us that is what creates the external reflection and so that it 
that is is how I really approach all of it. So it's not about taking a specific action. Um, it's about you know really understanding the energy of the patterns that we're working with. Um, and a huge aspect of my work that I'll finish with just saying this is is online is really content creation and going from a place of just having lots of private clients, which I still do, but then saying, okay, how do I set this up, um, you know, business wise and just lifestyle wise to be able to share as many resources with the masses, um, as possible. So that's a big aspect of what I do now too. Wow. I'm so excited to dive a little bit deeper, um, a little bit later on in the podcast to, um, bringing that spiritual essence and that really multi-dimensional like aspect to your work. Um, I would first love to hear though, your story that led you to such profound and and prolific work because you know that's not a sort of um intention that arises just from a very linear path i'm sure there were so many ups and downs so i'd love to hear a little bit more about your story totally and it's like all my past selves just like gathered around me and they're like are you going to talk about me first or me you know it's like six-year-old and eight-year 18-year-old are duking it out um I came into, <laughs> I joked that I had sort of a double black diamond entry into the world um, where I had very early experiences of a lot of darkness, violence, you know, it, just feeling, in, and I've been saying more and more lately that, you know, I could give the description of this kind of abuse and this kind of violence and this kind of discrimination based on these identities. Um, but for me, it's almost more impactful to say I had an experience of feeling separate. I had an experience of not belonging. I had an experience of feeling so disconnected and like I didn't understand how to get love, how to feel loved. Um, and that was growing up as someone who has made my way through several letters of the LGBTQ acronym within a very conservative Catholic family and that being um, one way that it manifested in terms of feeling like I didn't belong but just in general, coming into a world where self-expression um, was fairly limited and feeling feeling like I couldn't get it right. Those experiences as a kid where you're just bopping along and you're doing your thing and then all of a sudden you get like sideswiped with the information that what you're doing is wrong, right? And that you should be ashamed of who you are and what you're doing. We don't do it. We don't do it like that. Whether it's um, you know, something very small like haha, you misuse that word or something really big, like, you know, experiencing more violence and, um, and control based on, on, you know, how you're talking, how you're walking, how you're dressing, things like that. Um, and from a very early age, I had this deep sense, especially being in the Catholic church where I was like, we're talking about love, but it doesn't feel like love. It doesn't feel. And I, and I remember just feeling almost like sick to my stomach as a kid in church just feeling the misalignment between the message and the energy um, and that sense of how do we close that gap between what we're saying and how we're actually feeling um, and how do we get along, right? Like this, the my rage and my confusion at how alone I felt um, in some ways, it's like the darkness shows you the equal and opposite light. It was like, if I feel so separate, then there's this rightness to the not separate, right? And I was really inspired by you know people like Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, um, Bayard Rustin, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
Abraham Joshua Heschel, these sort of 20th century leaders who led these revolutionary movements for liberation. And so that was my model. I was really like, you know, this world peace thing, let's do something about it. <laughs> um, but the path, the path to where I am now has absolutely been such a winding one because um, it's led me through many iterations of my work based on the balance between what the world was ready for, the questions, the context that I was in, in terms of what people you know, what people had identified as problems that they were interested in solutions to, um, as well as my own internal process of like, okay, does this model of social change that I've been given, does it actually work based on my lived experience? Um, and so it's been, it's been quite the journey. And I started very early on as a teenager, as a community organizer, and as a peer educator, educating on social issues. And it's really just been um, a very, it's like a, it's a snowball effect, but the snowball has been like slaloming through mm. <laughs> many different, many different aspects of the path. And so it's, in some ways it's like, I feel like I've been the same person my whole life and I've just been doing the same thing my whole life. And from another, I'm like, I have lived 5,000 lives. Yeah. yeah. 29 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And I want to take a moment to, to honor your journey to this point and, I, a message and a real understanding that I've come to is is the whole idea that you know that contrast it, it really does show you um, the light that those experiences that really hold you down and where you experience that resistance it it really allows you to um, understand what is really true um, in your experience at the at the least and maybe for a lot more people as well but. I would be curious because you've gone through this path of maybe some um, some understandings that you've that you've came to because when you talk about, for example, your experience in the church and how there was an energy that was misaligned with the message, and what like what was causing that I guess dissonance between such like a beautiful message at its core and then the way that it's being carried out. Mm. Yeah, there's there's many perspectives on that, and I always the way I the way I deliver messages these days is always with that multi-dimensionality, always with that sense of like this is one way to look at it. So from one perspective, you know, there's there's light and there's dark, and there's energy on Earth that through its own experience of believing in fear, right, and not having faith and trust in light, um, has chosen to live and access power in a non-consensual, non-honoring way, right? If you think about like the true power source is really connecting to source energy, to the vital energy all around us that's in the air, that's in plants, versus the energy of like when you're in a meeting with someone and you know they want something from you and they're like pulling <laughs> at you, right? In that kind of horizontal way and people that are walking around kind of zombie-like feeding off of each other rather than you know, owning their own energy in the Catholic Church, you know, and this is not to to shade anybody who still feels connected to the teachings of the church or or to any aspect of Christianity, but it was a structure designed to control people. It was the political structure on earth for for over a thousand years. Um, and so the when I look at the way the church is set up, it's you know the best way to to hide a lie is within the truth, right? To take this teaching of Jesus, which is just pure love frequency. You know, I am you and you are me, right? God is in all of us. Um, 
and then to invert it, right, and to turn it into something that then separates people from their power um, and leads them into a cyclical structure of never being able to trust themselves. Because if you have original sin, then and only these people higher up in the church can absolve you of that sin, then you're constantly dependent on an external source of validation, and you're constantly in danger of being bad without knowing it, right? And so... For me, it's, you know, that's it. The, the misalignment is by design. Um, and we can look at who maybe designed that. <laughs> and I also have a lot of compassion for everybody part of that structure at this point, because the choices that were made that set it up the way it is, you know, that's a freight train that's been barreling through the generations for centuries at this point. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this is something for me and my personal experience and journey that it's a message and an understanding that has really resonated to me and where I've been finding a lot of my truth has come through um, a lot of the self-understanding, that connection through source, that connection to life energy. And I still also find connection to myself and to source by reading some of these like great texts, but like structurally, um, you know, maybe the answer isn't outside of ourselves. Um, but I would love to hear a little bit about your, now that we're on the topic of, of spiritual practices, the way that you've, re- you've refined your spiritual practice over time. Um, it's very clear to me that, that you've done a lot of the work in understanding the history of, of that um, organization that you grew up in. Um, but ultimately, for you to get to this point, you've probably siphoned through numerous um, different practices and teachings. So what have you uncovered in this whole path here? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. And it really, you know, all of that understanding of the Catholic Church that I have now comes from that period of time in my life when I was still required to go to church by my family. But I was a teenager and I was like trying to understand it on an intellectual level, why it didn't feel right. And I was like uncovering these things and being like, see, you know, I knew it. <laughs> I knew that there was that there was that it wasn't all good because I feel weird when I'm in this place and I don't feel accepted. Um, and and all of that at this point, you know, it's just, it's, that, that is the, it is the external and, but it was a conversation I had to be in because I felt religion, spirituality, a concept of God, prayer, any of that, you know, even the ability that to say things like, you know, Jesus's teachings and love, like to say that so casually for years, it was so triggering for me. And I was just like, I don't want anything to do with it. I went through, you know, a, a bit of an atheist phase and was sort of, like, you know, trying to find meaning in, in things like the existentialists, like Albert Camus and Jean-Paul Sartre, and like these folks who contemplated existence from a uh, an understanding that wasn't fully tied to God, because I just felt so controlled by this old paradigm idea of God, right? Some people say it's the, the false father idea, right? The idea of God is this thing that is an energy that judges us, right? And that knows better than us and that we have to be good and it's mercurial like our parents were. Like, you never know if you're gonna be on the good side or the bad <laughs> side and it's and it's unpredictable. Like, you know, that's that's our that's a historical experience of relationships that we've projected onto God. And so it took me a while to really move through that resistance, but then ultimately it was about saying, I'm determined to be at peace. I'm inter- I'm determined to have a beautiful life. I'm determined 
to see humanity to the other side of its current crises. And so I'm going to leave no stone unturned, right? I'm just because I had a bad experience with the word God or Jesus or prayer or any of that, you know, if there's something there for me, if there's some essential truth there, I'm not going to cut myself off from it. Just like I'm not going to cut myself off from money because like corrupt corporations exist, right? Like I'm going to let myself access what I want. And so all of that being said, the journey, you know, it's, I found a lot of inspiration from from literature initially, like reading books like Toni Morrison and reading magical realism from different places in South America and 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 Central America and, and letting the wonder of life move me, right? Letting the mystical wonder of of nature, reading things like Emerson and Thoreau and just letting life start to move me again, even when I was in this very sort of shut down, traumatized place and that eventually led me to, to Buddhist meditation. That was like my first real practice um, in addition to, to reading and journaling and writing. Um, and over time, I've really gone through, through many different spiritual traditions, exploring Judaism, exploring Hinduism, um, and ultimately surrendering into the fact that uh, I have a very curious mind and a curious soul. And I love to know, I love to walk at the same time several of the many paths to the one truth. Um, and what has, what has just driven me forward has been um, that, that insistence in answering these core questions about what it means to be human, about how to get to the other side of conflict, leading me to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. A really big seminal moment for me was discovering the metaphysical text, A Course in Miracles, which is a, a text that uh, trains the human mind for, to go from fear to love. And it was channeled by a Columbia University professor in the 1970s who was in a fight with her um, research partner, I think the story goes. And she said, there's got to be a better way. And she heard, Helen, this is A Course in Miracles. Pick up a pen. And she, for seven years, channeled this this text. um, That's just another way of of bringing that same core information about how love is the essential nature of, um, of what it means to be human and how do we go from living in an ongoing projection of our old experiences of fear to stepping outside of that simulation and into one of our own choosing. And that aspect of metaphysics and quantum physics and all of that has been another huge part of my understanding is I love finding that place where spirituality and science meet. Right, and where we can see the same truth reflected in so many different stories. And um, so that's in some ways kind of been the broad journey. And I could speak to like my current daily practices if you'd like, but I'll pause to see if you've got reactions or questions. Yeah, I mean, the first reaction is that I, I really um, am just so blown away um, by how much time and energy and transformation that you've underwent. Um, and I really also align with the walking um, numerous different traditional uh, traditions paths at one time because uh, there's there's so so much rich information for us to to find a, a, a new level of alignment with ourselves and um, with our lives and so that's something that you know for me I always resort to um, in times of contrast is to to uh, find alignment through different teachings even if it is a, a just a, a Thoreau um, piece of literature or just, you know, that whole idea of following your bliss um, and just being mesmerized by the miracle of life. Um, I feel like that's like that inner calling that uh, we all have that 
you kind of get taught to suppress and to push away for um, conformity. Um, but I would love, um, and also another thing that I just like want to say is I love where um, quantum physics and, and spirituality come together and because realistically, I mean, science is the modern language of the mystic. I, that's something that Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about. It's something that um, I really believe a lot of our, you know, modern spiritual understandings are going to come from. And I want to uh, touch a little bit on that um, right now at the moment while we're on the topic, um, paired with how that pairs with your current spiritual practice. Yeah, totally. I mean, quantum physics is is a it's amazing. And there are different people. I, I love Joe Dispenza's work. I also love Nassim Haramey's work. He's, um, I don't even know the right word. It's like capital S scientist. You know, he's got all <laughs> kinds of letters after his name. Uh, he's done some very powerful work, really mapping the sacred geometry of space um, and understanding how, how we go from void to creation. Um, and a lot of you can find his eight hour lectures on, on YouTube and, um, you can, he, he does a lot of weaving in of understanding even aspects of the Bible and Jesus's story and things that were seen as miracles and how they were described hundreds of years ago and how science might account for how those things happened. And, um, and for me, it's also just very inspiring in the Vedas, um, in, from India, they speak about these different ages of humanity that we go through these big, long cycles um, they're called yugas or these sort of epochs of time. And we've been in the Kali Yuga. Kali is the, the feminine goddess of destruction and fire and intensity and, and so much more. Um, and it's the most dense yuga, right, where everything feels very hard and compacted and painful. Um, but the transition from the Kali Yuga into the Satya Yuga, which is the age of enlightenment, um, there are certain things that indicate that that is beginning to happen. And one of them is when... Um, the most advanced scientists and the most advanced spiritual teachers begin to say the same thing, right? And so that's absolutely what we're what we're starting to experience right now as we shift out of all of this this density. And it's you know for me just another way to support the liberation of human consciousness to say okay you can have you can have you can let your experience be your guide and set a powerful intention to experience something and to visualize it into existence and to surrender it to the universe and ask that it be brought to you. Or you can understand that there's a difference from a quantum physics perspective between, you know, how a particle observes when it's being, or how a particle acts when it's being observed versus when it's not being observed. And we can see that actually research shows that when you blindfold someone and you hook them up to all the brain testing things, and you be, and you pinch them. The brain registers the pain seconds, up to six seconds before the pain actually occurs, before the touch happens. Right. So what does that mean? Actually, wait a minute. Maybe everything I'm experiencing is a projection of my consciousness, and on some level, I knew that that pain was coming because I was co-creating that experience with the field of infinite potential. Mm -hmm. It's not just something that happened to me. Right. And it's like even that that moment right there creates space for wonder, for spiritual information to come through for a deeper understanding of if that's true. If you knew if you know on a subconscious level that you're about to be pinched, what does that mean about the greatest pain of your life? Right. And your level of choice and agency in designing your experience. Mm. Possibilities are endless. That makes a lot of sense. I, I've, for the listener, I'm, 
a book that I've read along these lines has to do, it's called Biocentrism. Um, and it discusses a lot of um, the, um, the way that we perceive and experience and it can be registered on a brain scan before it happens. Do you have any resources by chance that you have really tapped into that have helped you kind of merge these two different fields? Definitely. I love the book, um, The Holographic Universe, which is also, if you just search it on YouTube, there's a six hour or six part documentary on it. And it's, you know, it's definitely that style of multiple different kinds of clip art and things being spliced in, but someone has done the work of, <laughs> um, of, of putting together a really deep summary of, of the book. And I just say too, for anyone who's at all feeling kind of shut down and sort of like, what are the footnotes on what Aaron's saying is, is just to say like, let your experience be your guide. If you are totally satisfied with how your life is right now, like then, and you're not interested in this, like that's, that's cool. But if there's something where you're like, you know, even if you feel like, no, we don't create our own experience or that's only true in certain ways, right. Then there's a little opening there for you to say, wow, I'm in some friction around this topic. Am I interested in having a new experience? Am I interested in clarity? The clarity may be in what I'm saying or what I'm saying may just be the invitation for you to ask a question where, you know, information comes from another place. Right. So it's just, can breathe into whatever whatever your reaction is is great information for you about what's next for you right and it takes that level of curiosity to become aware of our reaction first and to say oh why do i feel this way and to follow that path because it's, it's unlocks so much so many great things um i guess we we I would love to hear because we got a little bit off on the spiritual practice that mm. you currently do. I mean, even if it is, I, and maybe it doesn't even have to be a spiritual practice. How about just a practice that you bring into your daily life um, that allows you to experience things fully? And um, I would also then like to talk a little bit about manifestation. But first, mm. just practices that allow you to feel full, to soak it all in. Totally. Yeah. So my, one of my friends and, um, I guess I would say spiritual colleagues in this space is a woman named Gala Darling. And she, she says, um, one of her taglines is feeling good is your job. And she says, my morning routine is whatever it takes to feel good, right? Whatever it takes to feel in alignment. And I'd say that in some ways that's very true for me after. And I, and it's, there's always cycles where different levels of discipline are required, um, where certain level of, um, of, of dropping in is, is required through certain practices. My perspective on practices is that it's ultimately just giving, it's a pathway to a frequency that you already have access to. So sometimes you can, you can drop in without meditating and sometimes it is necessary. But for me, really foundationally, morning pages have been a huge part of my path since 2016. They're from a book called The Artist's Way, which is an incredible it's like a secret spiritual text. You know, you could read it and just not feel the spiritual energy, but it really, it, it taps you back into your intuition. It's a book for reestablishing your relationship with your creativity. Morning pages are three pages of just stream of consciousness writing um, every single day. And I'm looking at my notebook right here. Um, I've been doing it basically every day since 2016. And it, wow. you, can't, you can't hide from yourself. And you can't hide from your brilliance either. Like you can't miss the bullshit and you can't miss the stuff that's wanting to come through you. Um, you know, you can miss it in a page, but you can't miss it in three pages. Um, and so that, you know, even if I, I'd say that I probably average two and a half pages, six out of seven days of the week, you know, um, but that's I, amazing. but I, I keep, 
I keep coming back to it because it really does ground me in. Um, meditation is really important for me as well. Sometimes that's seated silent meditation. Sometimes that's a guided journey based on what I'm working with and, and creating. Um, and then there's just, there's other foundational things like just making sure I move every day, making sure I stretch every day, being really conscious about what I'm eating, my supplementation, my hydration. Um, I'm looking at my, my blue blocking glasses, things like that, supporting, a lot of it's about supporting my nervous system to be able to keep expanding um, and to be able to keep housing the frequencies that I house. Um, and for, for all of my clients, the way that we do morning routines or just routines in general um, is, is that we pick verbs and then we try to check off those verbs every day. So it's something like connect, right? So that could be for me, pr like prayer, I just, I pray all the time. I'm always talking to everything. Um, so it's funny, I barely even mentioned, I almost forgot to mention that. So connecting for someone might be dropping into a meditation. It might be praying. And one day it might be an hour meditation. And the next day it might be three mindful breaths in the, ba breaths in the, in the bathroom before you like go to bed or you go into a meeting, right? And so for me, it's about creating that consistency. Like another verb might be move. And then one day it's like you're hitting your like full-on gym workout, and the next day it's like three push-ups in between a meeting because that's what you have time for. But it, it, it's about creating that momentum over time. Um, and there's there's so many other little nuances because ultimately for me it's about living a life of intention, deciding what I want to be experiencing, and then doing what I got to do to make that happen. Mm. That's so amazing. I just want to take a second and soak all of that goodness in. That was incredible. Mm. I'd say connecting to nature too. That's like another one where it's like the water I swim in. So I sometimes like even forget to mention it. Um, but for me, grounding on the earth and I've designed my life where I'm as close to nature as possible, um, as much as possible. Wow. In terms of when you talk about lifestyle design, when you, when, when you share a lot of these practices or these you know, methodologies for you to find that good feeling inside of yourself and whether that happens in the morning, at some point in the middle of your day, um, can you talk about removing the like resistance that currently exists in our lives and the process of doing so in an intentional way. Um, so if, if we have a, a certain area of our life that we find resistance in, or we, you know, like whether that's a certain like relationship that we would have to like maybe tolerate like a, like a loved one, or um, maybe it's in a work setting or some sort of environment, like how do we rise above in terms of from a energy standpoint and a psychological standpoint so that we can find the path almost of least resistance, but it's the path of most intention. Mm, it's such a powerful question. So resistance, and you've been really bringing through this beautiful idea of like how contrast, it creates magnetism, right? So resistance shows us what we're destined for, but often in the form of the absence of it, you know, that, that level of friction. And it's different for different situations, but I would say that 
for me, it has a lot to do with vision and intention. It's like, what am I committed to experiencing? For me, I have a very strong perspective on new earth and what it means to be in a fully joyful, abundant, expansive, nurtured life where we're living from a place of love and creating from a place of love rather than from a place of scarcity and fear. Um, and so that, that really drives me forward and I'm always nourishing that. I'm always like, Ooh, like, let me, let me put more into that cauldron of, of, of what feels good, what feels organic. And when I say organic, it's like, I can look at a tree. I can look at how a natural environment works and think, what does that mean for humans? Right? What is that level of, of flow and grace and, and feeling protected and provided for and trust, right? And, and, and organic embodiment of a life cycle how does that feel so for me it's about claiming that vision um, really powerfully and then letting our intentions reflect that because often when we're in an experience where maybe you're in resistance about going to the gym maybe you're feeling resistance because there's someone in your family that you're always butting heads with what is your actual vision for the resolution of that resistance often we're really subconsciously operating on a like, well, if I go to the gym, then I'll be skinnier or more ripped and then I won't hate myself and like, I'll be a good person, <laughs> right? Or, you know, if, if that person wasn't such a insert expletive here, then like I would have more time to like focus on my shit and like they're just, you know, they need to get their shit together or whatever it is. Um, it's often about the like minimum effective dose of the removal of a negative stimuli that brings us back to some illusion of being like neutral and safe, almost in that same way of that like old paradigm Catholic model of like you've been cleared of your sin for like a brief period of time and then you're like back to neutral until you're negative again. And there's never that expansive positive vision. And it's like we can only experience what we allow ourselves to imagine. I mean, even for me, I've been going through a process where I've been sort of revisiting aspects of my my health um, in different ways because I've upgraded every other area of life has been through its its own upgrade in the last few months and so health has been coming in just for a little bit of, of intentionality again and and I had there are just places where I had to get honest about like what is am I operating from a place of fear or a place of love in terms of what my vision and my goals are um, and then the next layer there is to say, okay, if that's my vision, but I'm experiencing something different, we can trace that to a subconscious root that's replaying itself in a variety of ways. We can say, how do I feel right now? How does it feel to be in conflict with this family member? When's the first time I remember feeling that way? And what what I have to believe in order to feel that way? And then boom, all of a sudden we're back and we're four years old and we're like telling a story and someone's telling us like, no one wants to hear your story, right? And we feel ashamed and then we learn, oh crap, if I fully self-express myself, then people I love don't like me and I'm in conflict with them, right? So me being fully myself creates conflict. Cool, fun autopilot setting that might still be playing until I bring a conscious awareness to it and make a choice to repattern it in a variety um, of ways. And sometimes, you know, go, we trace it all the way back. And sometimes we can just say like, what's, what I have to believe in order to be experiencing this. And when did I pick that up? <laughs> mm. And what would I have to believe in order to have a new experience? And that's where the revolutionary radical energy comes in where it's like, wait, what would it take for me to believe that I could be in a harmonious relationship with this person that I'm pretty committed to and on an identity level having perpetual conflict with? 
damn. Wow. That's incredible. I love that. And that, a lot of that solution is housed inside our belief structure to, to iterate and reiterate what you're saying. And so it's about, essentially, I'm, I'm trying to synthesize such a beautiful explanation. It's about unwinding our unconscious beliefs and redefining our beliefs from a space of love, expansion, conscious intention. And in doing so, we can find those breakthroughs. Completely. Yeah, you summarized it so beautifully. It's just really about understanding that everything that we're experiencing is a reflection of, of something that's happening on a deeply rooted subconscious level within us. And when we can crack that code and see, whoa, I never have enough money because, you know, I was subconsciously taught that I wouldn't be loved by my family unless I really, really, really needed something. So I'm constantly recreating situations in which like I don't have what I need so that I'll be loved. Damn. You know, it's like as soon as you see it, it just opens up the infinite potential that you could have a new experience. And so when you're recrafting these beliefs, this is an awesome conversation. I just want to keep it going. So when you're recrafting these beliefs, right, it, there can be a tendency to go back to the belief that was maybe serving you on that unconscious level. Let's use a money example, right? So maybe um, you, you reform this belief from a space of like expansion of conscious intention and you're now moving toward this manifestation of money and then all of a sudden a environment or a situation hits you that brings you back down to that subconscious reaction how do you continually work and remind yourself of these empowering beliefs and also allow yourself to believe in beautiful things like world peace and manifesting uh just your dream life like how like it 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 is it is something that like for me to just discuss with you is so enlivening, but it can be so at times for people the, and for myself, I'm speaking for myself and, and hopefully for the listener as well, that we fall back into that unconscious state. So I guess, how would you advise to revisit those empowering beliefs? Mm-hmm. This is such a, you're asking such powerful questions here. I'm loving, I'm loving this, <laughs> what we're dissecting for people here. Um, it's what, what comes through first is really having self-love at, at the core, which I know is another thing you want to speak about, but it's like not beating ourselves up for being in a system that is designed to bring us back into that state of disempowerment happens to me all the time where all of a sudden, you know, a little stimuli will come through. Like I've up leveled so many aspects of my life, but in some ways I'm just getting started and a little thing will come in where all of a sudden I'll notice like a little bit of fear. Like, ooh, you know, is that enough money? Or, ooh, you know, like, is that, like, is someone else going to come take that person's place if I release this friend who I don't feel aligned with right now? And little fear comes in, right? And I can, I can let that fear follow me for a few minutes, a few hours, and then, and then I catch it, right? And it's like I'm only served by just coming back to the practices, which I'll speak about in a moment, rather than being, like, letting it fulfill a story that I'm um, – that I'm not a good person or that I don't really know what I'm doing or whatever it is. So having compassion for ourselves. And I love, you know, that you've called this podcast, um, you know, with this word game in it because it is a game, right? It's like, Oh wow. You know, I made it to this level and then I like fell back to this level and then, you know, two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward. Right. And so it is this process where also once you've changed one thing in your life, 
it's like a little change widget. You know, you're like, okay, if I, even if the up level was like, I couldn't afford to take the subway and now I can afford to take the subway. It's like a small thing like that from one perspective. I mean, that's a life-changing thing if that's your reality. You can see that you've created it once and you can replicate it. Even if it takes a lot of life force and it takes a lot of energy to do it, once you've shifted something, and all of us have already shifted something in our lives, right? We've we've improved in some way. It's like, how did I do that, right? And understanding that if you do it once, you can do it again. That needed, for whatever reason, wanted to come through kind of foundationally for the conversation. Um, and then, you know, it is about, I had the, these gym metaphors always come through for me where it's about kind of that strength building where you're building the muscle of trust, you're building the muscle of faith and where, and as you shift your life, you start to go from a place of like do or die scarcity, which is where I was. I was like barely holding on. Like I just had some guy hanging off the edge of a cliff <laughs> and it's like, I'm abundant. I'm whole and complete. Like, please God, you know, like that level of it being so dire. But then as I got myself to, you know, more of a secure place, it starts to feel more and more like a game, right? Where you can actually have fun because your survival isn't on the line. Um, and everything that we're experiencing, even if it's good, in this now moment is merely an echo of the past, right? It's an echo of what we believed a while ago, right? And I see it like, you know, if like a tree falls and dust blows through, it's like that tree already fell. Yeah. <laughs> you already thought that thought, you already felt that thing. It's just this debris coming through. And so if we can take this very revolutionary energy of like, what I'm seeing is a reflection of the past. It's a boogeyman ghost. Like if you're a Harry Potter person, it's like a Dementor or a Bogart. It's like, it's not real. It's not the realest truth of what you can experience. And so it takes withstanding often extreme negative stimuli where you're like, I know that I'm going to be abundant, but like I only have $5 in my bank account right now. And just not taking that $5 as evidence of what's possible for you. And the last thing I'll say here is that when we set a powerful intention, it's like food poisoning. It's like a detox. Everything that's not a match to that intention comes up and out. So often if you're like, well, just to keep using the money example, you might leave this and, be, you know, someone listening might leave it and be like, okay, you know, I'm going to double my income this month. And then it's like they get hit by a bill and there's like a random withdrawal and all of a sudden they're like, I have even less money. Screw that Aaron Rose guy. He didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but it's. It's like, it's, it's almost like this crescendo of the negative beliefs and the negative experiences will come up where it's like the final hurrah of that scarcity mindset leaving. And so if you can see the increase in negative stimuli as evidence that space is being cleared for what you want rather than evidence that it's not possible, then you start to hack the game. So for me, when I, when I have a bad day, I'm like, sweet something good must be coming because I feel like shit right now. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm down for the count, but that must just be because something negative is needing to leave my experience so that there's space for something positive to come in. Wow. That is truly one of the most original ways that I've ever heard of, um, that abundance and that manifestation uh, coming into your experience, like that, sh that negative um, energy and that resistance coming um, at a peak. And that really, that is a good thing. And it's, it's, it's really a test at the end of the day, right? Like it's a test to um, 
for you to either fall back into that unconscious or to, to continue to choose that abundance, that love, that light. Um, this has been incredible. The, the component of self-love, you said at the beginning of that answer that one of the most important things when you are facing this resistance is to come from this foundation of self-love. Can you explain a little bit um, about the mindset that you bring to the table with loving yourself and how that translates in your ability to love and create deeper connection with other. Mm. Yeah. So self-love is a word that's overused from one perspective and people might feel like it's cheesy, but I always, anytime there's a negative, any kind of story, I just ask who benefits from this story, right? Like who benefits from the idea that like loving yourself is cheesy. I don't think any of us, I don't think you and I benefit from that, right? So I don't. <laughs> I'm always like, why is the matrix, you know, making us feel like this is like it's like it's overdone and there's some crow calling outside my window. Matrix <laughs> is letting me know that it's here. Um, it's it's about this unconditional positive regard for self, um, for really understanding that we have the capacity to see ourselves the way the way the sun sees us, right? The way the wind sees us, the way source sees us, which is without friction, without that resistance, without that sense of you would be better if X, Y, and Z. And it's this delicate balance because as humans, I really believe we're here for like infinite expansion and creation, right? I feel so much better on a day when I'm like making things and doing things than, um, than I sometimes do on a day when I'm just like resting and chilling because it feels so good to be working with life force in that way, but it's about doing it from this place of the excitement of creation rather than from feeling like you're inherently inadequate. And for me, the revolutionary thing, you know, being LGBTQ in different ways and having experiences of discrimination, I used to always feel like I love myself. It's those other people who don't love me, right? But if I actually, when I actually got honest, I saw that I was so judgmental of myself. I had so much internalized shame and how I was being treated was a reflection of actually how I had been programmed to see myself, mm. right? I used, I have, I think it's a, something I, I wrote recently was I, I used to think the world had abandoned me, but I realized that the world had taught me to abandon myself, right? And so understanding that our greatest tool in creating the lives that we want is that if we can give to ourselves what we want the world to give to us, we can have anything, right? And it can be so hard when you're like, but I already feel so alone, but I already feel like I don't have anything going for me. But it's, it's that final like hail Mary dig deep. Like, can you bring in a little bit more willingness to regard yourself in the way that you wish others would regard you? And then it becomes this superpower because even when people are, are, are bringing negativity to you, if you see them just as another aspect of yourself and you're so steady being in right relationship with yourself, there's not really anything that someone can do that harms you on that core level. Yeah, someone could still punch me in the face and I could end up with a bruise. They're probably not going to because I'm not really a point of attraction to that. <laughs> if they did and there was a lesson there for me, that's fine. Um, but you know, it, could hurt. It, it might impact my physical body, but it's not going to impact. That's not going to happen. And I'm, if that happens, I'm not going to think that I deserve it. Right. Mm. You know, I'm not going to accept the premise of the fight and I'm not going to struggle to defend myself and my worth because I know, 
that I'm inherently worthy at this point. And so that is, you know, some of the best insulation that we can have against the conflict of our world. And then everything that you want comes to you when you're in that place. You don't have to worry. You can set strong intentions and, and, and do work in certain ways, but um, in terms of collaborators and business and connections and friends, you know, I walk into a room now and I don't worry about what I'm going to get from people. I don't worry about who's my path to this next thing that I need because I feel really good within myself. And then I just get to share that good feeling. And then what I need often just organically shows up when I'm enjoying. And it's sort of funny to say, like when I'm enjoying not hating myself, AKA when I'm enjoying <laughs> delighting in, in being human. Um, and it's again with everything, it just takes that intention. I'd like to not feel at war within myself hmm. and then that unfold because it was certainly it wasn't an overnight thing for me it was you know quite a process that whole explanation speaks to to my process so much and it's a process every day that i continually revisit and i'm sure the listeners i'll all revisit and so thank you for for sharing your process that it's i honor that um I think I want to be cognizant of your time and cognizant of the listener's time. The last question that I have, um, you talk about world peace. And I'm such a believer that this is something that we can push across the line. I believe it so deeply in my heart, my soul. It's, it's right around the corner. What advice or, or what do you believe that we together need to come together and co-create um, in order to continue to push, um, and not even push, but rather just bring to light the idea of world peace and that it can really be a thing that we can all come together and accept. Mm. So world peace is one of those phrases that I sort of tongue-in-cheek use sometimes because <laughs> I think it does trigger people sometimes where it's like it feels cheesy and it makes you think about like miscongeniality or some like whatever those things are, beauty pageants, where there, it's like that joke that that's what people want is world peace. But like, again, why is that a joke, right? Why is it a joke to imagine living in harmony with other people so that you can actually like have fun, right? Why do people, why are people obsessed with following Will Smith on YouTube? I've been following his like little rise to YouTube fame recently. He lives such an optimized life. Right. He's still working through stuff in his marriage and he's expanding and growing all the time. But that man knows how to have a good time. Right. Because he has the resources to do it. He has a beautiful family. They're always working on it with each other, but they're stable. He's got a long term relationship. He's got all the money he needs. He's right with himself. He loves himself. And so he's like, cool. I'm going to go throw myself off this cliff. Right. I'm going to go create this weird slow mo thing. I'm going to go out in Budapest for six hours and just let people be excited to see me and talk to anyone who wants to talk to me. Right. And he loves the fact that because he's a celebrity, he can bring, he can make people's day just by existing. Right. Like that's one of, that's why he loves being famous. Um, and so I think that sometimes we have this, we just have this closed down thing of like, well, that's enough. You know, like I don't, you know, I don't need infinite money. I just need like, you know, $80,000 a year. And like, that'll just get me that house and then everything will be okay. And I can go on vacation every once in a while. It's like, this, I say world peace to almost trigger us back into this awareness of the fact that we can have anything that we want and that the story that conflict is human nature, that these identity-based cycles, whether it's racism, sexism, just war on the planet, like why are we in a story that we have to manage these like chronic illnesses that we're never going to resolve, 
Mm. right? When we could actually decide to resolve it within our lifetime. It's like, are you living in a dilapidated house and thinking like, I guess I'm just going to be working on this house forever. Or are you just going to invite all your friends over and take care of business in two weeks and then live in that house or sell it? Or, you know, it's like that, I think there's that fire energy that we have the opportunity to reclaim of, we don't have to live like this, right? We can actually decide to have a different experience. And it's not about bypassing. It's not about like, la, 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 there's no problems in the world. It's about the mindset that we take to the problems. Are we telling a story that it's human nature and that we're to destroy each other? And that, LOL, see you in the apocalypse. Or are we telling a story of, I mean, when I call up my friends, it's like, can't wait to see you on our private, you know, totally off the grid yacht in three years or five years. And um, can't wait to swim in the clean ocean with you and can't wait to, you know, connect with you and not feel the pain of our ancestors between us. Like, speak it out. Like, what is that vision? The more we give ourselves permission to dream it in the same way that we dream in our personal lives, the more we have the potential to create it on earth. And from my perspective, that we already have momentum on our side. We just have to keep choosing to tell a story that actually makes us excited. Wow. Aaron, Rose, this has been the most um, incredible time today. I'm so grateful for your time. I want to take a moment and really honor your commitment to just all like crafting this worldview that is out here supporting so many on their transformational journeys. <clears throat> I'm, I'm so excited to see what you continue to do. Um, but right now this has been more than enough and I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you so much. Um, and to the listener, if you found this podcast to be of value, if you found this, uh, this podcast to have given you some perspective that makes your day better um, and allows you to connect more with that sense of curiosity inside of yourself where you can create from that expansive self. Um, go ahead and give this a like, maybe share with a friend or a family member. Um, and most importantly, go out and create your game. <laughs>